This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and is... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. to Prospects 101. Again, this is the show where we break down football prospects from all levels. We're talking high school. We're talking college recruiting. We're talking college transfers, NFL prospects, and of course, the NFL draft. And as always, Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners and big supporters of the show, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. Now, one question for everyone listening out there. Do you follow Prospects 101 on social media. If not, I want you to pause this podcast right now. I want you to go to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Look for Prospects 101 Pod and follow us on all three platforms. It is important. You go follow us. You can interact with us throughout the week. You can stay up with all up to date with all of our great content. Always posting stuff out there. We do a great job, especially on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, gotten great feedback from all of our fans on there. So, again, if you're not on there, you don't follow us, please make sure you go and do that. Um, got a great show lined up for you tonight, but it won't be just me talking. But we will include our first co-host, Moving Extraordinaire, Brandon Pastel. Brandon, how's moving going? It's going horrible, man. I've been stuck in a hotel the last week. I can't get find my way out of Savannah. I'm supposed to be stationed in Charleston next. None of that's happening. I'm not even sure I'm going to make my sister's wedding next week. So I'm not sure if that was supposed to be a snarky comment, Gless, but it's not going well. It actually wasn't. I just know that it's taken a long time. And a lot of stuff's out of your control. And uh, just, just it just pains me every day when I get the update of, oh, I'm just waiting in my hotel room. <laughs> Uh, anyways, got, got my second co-host here as well, who might be the happiest person in the state of Virginia that the gym has opened back up, and that's Kenny Keller. 
Yes, it has been an absolutely great week in terms of being able to work out again. It's nice. My spirits are up. My mood's lifted. It's been nice. I'm sore, but in a good way. I just, I, I can't be more excited that the gym's finally back open. I mean, I got to ask, you, man. Uh, go ahead, when, pass down. When you get to the gym, was everyone kind of judging each other when you first got there? Like, who gained the 15, who didn't? <laughs> no, you know, it wasn't too bad, man. I've always been kind of a psycho when it comes to, like, motivate myself in the gym anyway. So I always just kind of walk in and feel like everybody is judging me because I'm like, you don't think I can lift this, can you? And that kind of motivates me to lift heavier. So – you know, for me, it's no different. Maybe there was, maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. I definitely wasn't, but I hadn't noticed it. I know it's, it's, it's way different though. I mean, you know, you got some people working out in masks. Some people aren't, you got, um, you know, they give you a, a towel to wipe down everything with and, and you're like, kind of like your own personal spray bottle, uh, as you walk in. So it's pretty cool, man. They do a really good job of keeping everybody like socially distanced and, and everything clean in there. And they also have staffs cleaning as we go. But as far as people judging each other, I think everybody's been pretty cool. But like I said, I wouldn't be the best case of that just because I'm kind of nuts. And I feel like everybody's always doing that anyway. Like I envision myself going over to like the ad machine where I used to like just bang them out constantly, like 50 to 75 sit-ups. If I went there today, I'd do 20 and have to stop, breathe extremely hard to maintain my composure, and then just constantly look around to see who was looking at me most likely. I will say this, there's not, there's not, a, there's not as much bit, the guy, like, usually when I went in there, there was, you know, you, it was very frequent to see a lot of bigger dudes, because I go to a higher end gym, and it's a bigger gym, so a lot of the bodybuilders work out there, and I haven't seen a lot of bodybuilders since I've been back. It's, it's crazy, I don't know how, like, you talked about the cleaning protocols at, at your gym, um, they, they keep getting lax and lax as the days go by. Like when I first went back, when it all opened and my gym's right below me where I live, you know, spray bottles everywhere, people in masks, no one's in masks anymore. Everybody's got their lifting partner, like nothing, you know, especially in my gym, we have like a, a, a grass area and mm -hmm. next there's all like the Smith machines where you hook up you know, you hook up your, you know, whatever you want to do, whether it's triceps or what, nobody's cleaning anything off. It's just, it's a cesspool down there. I, I, I may give it another couple of weeks. I'm going to my apartment gym at the meantime. I'm not losing everything, losing anything by not doing that just because everybody's so out of shape in there. Cause I'm with pastel. I, I do that. I do my abs and I'm just like, ugh. It's just gross. I don't even bother with core anymore, guys, to be honest. I might do like a two-minute plank, and that's about it. Like, I don't even just bother with it anymore. I just – I run and do my cardio, and I eat well, and I lift. And, you know, core is what it is. You, you do enough to let your core know that you're still thinking about it. He's all about the, he's all about the beach muscles now, man. Yeah, why not? I'm not, an, I'm not an athlete anymore. I'm not worried about trying to get an eight-pack. I can't get – it's such a sad day when you kind of realize it. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you were an athlete and then like that one day hits and you're like, I'm not an athlete anymore. You know, when you wake up and your back sore and you didn't do anything the day prior. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while for me with that. Now I just, I just want to stay in the same shorts, stay in the same <laughs> pants, make sure my shirts fit the same. That's really all I care about. I'm more in the maintain phase of my life. <laughs> Not trying to get that dad bod, you know, like just try to keep the normal bod. Trying like, to stay right, like you, right below like you, it. You, everybody talked about the dad bod, and then they talked about like being super cut and out of shape. What, what happened about like normal average Joe bod? That's what I got, <laughs> just average Joe. I, I, nothing's happening down there. 
<laughs> nothing's moving. Nothing's bulging. Nothing's getting fatter. It's just the same. It's, it's very I'm frustrating. You. I'm with it's you. Frustrating. I like it, man. As so long as frustrated. As long as my no shoulders, buys, and tries continue to grow, I'm good. There we go. All right. Spoke spoken like a true ex-athlete. <laughs> Anyways, we uh we, we're gonna uh, continue move to our third week of of conference previews and. Uh, you know, if anybody's been listening to the show the last couple of weeks, you know, first started with Conference USA, broke that down, uh, you know, overall state of the conference. You know, we had uh, went over the prospects that were in there, had a couple beat writers and guys, probably our biggest interview on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, Charlotte 49er head coach Will Healy. And if you didn't listen to that interview, go back. I'm telling you, you'll fall in love with the guy. Kenny loved the interview so much. He went out, bought himself a Charlotte 49ers shirt. (laughs) I looked at one. I'm waiting for a really nice hat to come out. I'll probably buy one of those. Uh, So we did that. We just finished up our our ACC week. Uh, Went over all that. Had a couple uh, beat writers, Wake, NC State, as well as uh, went through and and reviewed that conference, went over all the prospects and a lot of prospects in the ACC. Um, which is exciting to see here in 2020. Now kind of going back to a G5 conference, we're going to start with the, or we're going to continue this series with the Mountain West. And Mountain West is is very interesting because at least with Conference USA, a lot of the teams are on the East Coast. So we're exposed to a lot of these teams. We see them kind of week in, week out. They have their own TV deal with, with NFL Network. But Mountain West is a little different. And I think we all kind of share this, the same sentiment when really trying to dive deep and do a lot of research in the Mountain West, it is a little harder than, than the, the previous two yeah. conferences we went over. Definitely a, a G5 conference that really not a whole lot of people pay attention to. So really want to give you guys a lot of information uh, mm-hmm. just for your knowledge sake, just because it, they're really not a lot of people are, are really in the know about the Mountain West, but a lot of great football out there, a lot of great uh, teams in the conference again. Conference or uh, sorry, the Mountain West is broken into two conference. Ironically, the Mountain Conference and the West and the West, or the West, the Mountain Division, and then the West Division. When I think is interesting, but a lot of lot of big schools that you'll recognize in here: Boise State, Air Force. Uh, you got Fresno State in here, Hawaii. So some teams that we've seen in the last 15, 20 years occasionally uh, make a, a New Year's Six Bowl and really start to shake things up. So, Kenny, we're going to change things up and start with you with the West Division. And we'll start off with a school that in the last 30 to 40 years has one of the better winning percentages out of a G5 program, and that's mm-hmm. Fresno State. Yeah, Fresno State historically has always been kind of one of the upper tier um, you know, maybe not a tier G5 schools, but they've always been kind of that tier B program. They've been consistently decent. They make a lot of bowl games. You know, every couple of years they win double digit games, you know, years that they had the Carr brothers were there, David uh, Carr and um, oh my gosh, Derek Carr. Derek yeah, so Carr. what's his brother's name? Derek Carr is currently the uh, Raiders quarterback. So, you know, they have, they have, and they turn out NFL prospects uh, every couple of years. So, Fresno's always been one of those upper 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 echelon G five teams, and this year's, um, you know, g- going to be a little different. There, you know, Jeff Tedford resigned. He had some health issues. They brought in a new head coach and Kalen DeBoer. And before we get into that, let's go over their out of conference games. Their out of conference games are Idaho State, Colorado, New Mexico State, and Texas A and M. You know, you're looking at two P five schools that are uh, Texas A and M game is going to be really difficult for them to win. Colorado, they might be able to hang with. And they should, you know, steamroll New Mexico State and Idaho State. They're over under, according to Bet Online, is five and a half. 
I feel like it's a fair line because they returned 10 starters, five on offense and five on defense. Now, like I said, they did bring in new head coach, Kalen DeBoer, who I'm actually a big, big fan of, and he's a familiar face in the program. He was the OC at Fresno in 2017 and 2018, both double-digit win seasons uh, at Fresno. And then he took over an offense that was ranked – and when he took over – as OC at Fresno 2017, the offense was ranked 125th out of 128 FBS schools. In one season, he took them all the way up to 77th, and then his second year there, they were 26th. Then he left to go to Indiana last year in 2019, and all he did, guys, was lead Indiana to the second-best offense in the Big Ten. I'm going to repeat that for you. He led Indiana to the second-best offense in the Big Ten. Like, think of all the great offenses in the Big Ten, and Indiana was number two. Indiana, a team that's never won 10 games in their entire program's history, and that's all he did in one year there. So wherever this guy goes, offense seems to follow. And what's really cool is he dominated the NAIA level as well. This guy was a three-time NAIA champion. Uh, he had a 67-3 and record and is only a head coaching stint at Sioux Falls. Um, you know, just an absolute dominator at that level. And then it's just slowly worked his way up through bigger programs. Now they have a new quarterback this year in Jake Hayner transfer from Washington. He's expected to win the job, but he'll definitely face some competition from Ben Woodridge, who was last year's backup. But it is, like I said, it is rumored and, and strongly suggested that Hayner is the guy for the job. Uh, Ronnie Rivers is an all-purpose back who runs really well. He catches balls out of the backfield. He's going to be the, the lead dog. Uh, at the running back position. He had 43 receptions last year. So he's a really, really nice dual purpose running back and, and is really a nice three down running back that they can lean on. The O-line should be excellent. They return four out of five starters and, and should be pretty solid. Now, defensively, they're going to switch to a 4-2-5 with new defensive coordinator, William Inge. Uh, senior linebacker, Justin Wright. Rice is a stud. He, he was all Mountain West Conference last year, led the team in tackles, had seven tackles for loss, three sacks, two interceptions, and four forced fumbles. He was pretty much all over the place, so expect him to continue to, to enhance on those numbers as well. And then fellow senior linebacker Aaron Mosby takes over the newly crowned Husky position. It's a linebacker-safety hybrid, and he had a productive year last year at linebacker, and he's 6'4", 230, and he is extremely athletic for a guy his size. So I'm really excited to see what he can do at that hybrid position. But again, a lot of turnover and a lot of just, you know, trying to reestablish some things. And, 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 you know, they have a new defense. And with the shortened offseason that we've had, I feel like the over under five and a half is pretty fair. Yeah, definitely a program I'd like to see get back uh, to winning seven, eight, nine games a year. Certainly being in California, they're, they're in a recruiting hotbed. And, you know, <clears throat> again, one of the more successful P- or, uh, G5 programs really in the last 40 years when it comes to winning percentage. So definitely would like to see uh, head coach uh, Kalen DeVore really get that program back to where it was. Now, moving on to a, a school in the Mountain West that last year guys had an outstanding season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, lost their head coach to Washington State, uh, a school on offense that just put up a ton of points, uh, ran the run and shoot last year. But that'll be the, uh, the Hawaii Warriors. What do we see there uh, for Hawaii here in 2020, Kenny? Yeah, so the Rainbow Warriors, you know, they're out of they're out of conference games this year. Arizona, who they beat last year, so it's and you know probably will be one of the worst Pac-12 teams in the conference. So it's not a stretch that they could beat them. The other out of conference is UCLA, and again, not a stretch that they could beat UCLA. 
Uh, and then Fordham and New Mexico State. So they actually have a decent opportunity to go 4-0 in their out-of-conference schedule. Do I think that's realistic? No, probably not. You know, I could see them easily just as dropping a game to Arizona and UCLA, too, and going 2-2. Two and two. But they should be able to manhandle uh, Fordham and New Mexico State pretty well. They're over-under a 6.5, according to Battle Line. They have 12 returning starters, 6 on offense and 6 on defense. And they have a new head coach in Todd Graham. As you mentioned, Gless, Nick Rolovich uh, took his run and gun, or his run and shoot, and, and left to go to Wazoo. But you know, Todd Graham has guided several programs. He, he's more of an air raid guy, uh, air raid style offense with tempo versus the run and shoot. But his new OC, G.J. Kenny, played quarterback under Graham at Tulsa and put up big numbers there. So it's a very quarterback friendly system. I, I'd expect to see an offense similar to what West Virginia ran when Dana Holgerson was the head coach there. Um, you know, what Mike Gundy runs at Oklahoma State. I, w- I would expect to see something very, very similar to that. Uh, now, quarterback uh, Chevin Cordero is the favorite to take over for all-world Cole Cole McDonald. As you know, Cole McDonald declared early and got drafted. He was a stud for Hawaii, really Mr. Do-It-All. But the one thing that he was was also injury-prone. So Chevin got a lot of experience, and he had a lot. He looked very solid in replacing McDonald in the last few few games last season. Now, I I don't think the learning curve is going to be as steep for him to learn this new offense that Todd Graham and G.J. Kenney are going to bring in. I think – you know, for the most part, they're pretty similar. Obviously, the run and shoot and air raid do have different principles, but at the same time, they are very um, quarterback friendly. So I'd expect Shaven to have a pretty good season. Wide receiver Jared Smart is by far the best receiver turning. In fact, uh, they lost three of their top four wide receivers from last year. In, in fact, they lost three 1,000-yard receivers. So they lost a lot of production at the wide receiver position. But, you know, good thing is Jared Smart does return, and he had 1,000 yards receivers. Well, by the way, I, it's crazy to me that Hawaii had four 1,000-yard receivers last year. That's a lot, man. <laughs> that is nuts. That is crazy. But, you know, they, so, so they do have at least one guy returning. And, again, um, their offensive line has four starters coming back, so the offensive line shouldn't be an issue. Now, defensively, this team is led by its secondary. Uh, Cortez Davis – Kiri Bethley and Eugene Ford. Cortez led the team in pass defense, uh, pass defended, uh, passes defended, excuse me. And Bethley led the team in INTs. So they really kind of have a, a reputation of a no fly zone there in Hawaii. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to replace a lot on the front seven. So it remains to be seen how they're going to be able to handle a lot of that change. Overall, I think Hawaii at six and a half is pretty fair. I think a lot of that's going to depend on what they do at a conference. If they can, if they can go three and one, I would hammer the over. If they go two and two, you're going to be right there around the uh, over under, I believe. I think one thing to remember with Cole McDonald's is everyone thought like he was such a great quarterback for Hawaii, but a lot of people don't remember is that Cordero was pushing him constantly throughout last season uh, to get that starting gig. It wasn't like Cole McDonald's job the whole entire year, even going into the UNLV game, which is in the middle of November, they were still not announcing quarterback for that game because they thought yeah. Cordero might be that guy that takes over for Cole McDonald. And obviously yeah. Cole McDonald got drafted. He got drafted, right? In seventh yeah, round. A, I think he was a seventh round pick for the Titans. So all that being said, like they're not losing much according, at least to the coach's eyes with Cordero taking the realm at Hawaii. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think a lot of that, and I don't know if a lot of that was due to the fact that Cordero was as good as Cole McDonald. Cause I think, I think what got, I think Cole McDonald, when he played at his best, was better than Cordero. The problem was, the, and it always it was always been the problem with McDonald is he's prone to like falling into these slumps. Like, you know, he he'll throw six touchdowns but four picks. Yep. 
Yep. So I think that was the problem with him. I, I think Shevin will definitely take care of the ball a lot better, but I just don't know if he has the upside. I, I don't know if he catches fire as well as Cole McDonald could when Cole McDonald got into a rhythm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that new system gets ingrained. And, you know, you're looking at four of the six teams here in, in, in the West Division um, that are coming in with new head coaches. And, and that seems to be a constant theme here in this division. And, you know, are they probably prone to get off to a slow start? Probably, right, just with the limited practice time that they'll have. So I, I always find myself rooting for Hawaii just because I think they're so unique. Um, you know, but they going out, you know, I've said this to you guys on previous episodes, but going against the run and shoot for the second time in their, in their program history. And, and let's see if this time can – can work for them last last well, couple he, times they've done that haven't really worked and here's the thing Gless, if you're if you're hawaii you've got to be different because you're what 1500 miles away from the next closest like you're to get people to come like you've got to do things you've got to out scheme people there because you're not going to re- exactly rely on recruiting as much because you're you're a you're you're hoping a lot of you're recruiting a lot of hawaii hawaiian kids and pastel you might be able to talk more about this since you lived there a while but that's you've got to schematically just be different than everybody to have a shot. So, you know, hopefully Todd Graham, I think he's a decent coach. He's done well at his other stops. He hasn't set the world on fire, but I think he's an opportunity to be successful there. At least, you know, they've got to continue to, like I said, just to out scheme people and and to keep it a quarterback friendly offense, I believe. Now moving on to a a school has a coach uh, returning here, but certainly a program that under Chris Alt really kind of took off as far as a G5 program in the WAC. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in the early years of the, uh, of the Mountain West conference has really kind of struggled as of late, Um, you know, five, five win season, three win season in 2017, but the arrows pointing up for uh, Jay Norvell, the last two seasons, eight wins and seven wins, Kenny, can the Nevada Wolfpack kind of keep that trend and, you know, get that seven, eight, nine win season here in 2020? Yeah. So they're out of conference games this season. Uh, and then, by the way, Nevada, home of the pistol offense, Gless, the inventor. That's right. Chris. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, out of conference games are UC Davis, Arkansas, UTEP, and USF. Not necessarily murders row. You know, they can beat UC Davis. Arkansas lost – I mean, I'm pretty sure Arkansas got smoked by San Jose State last year. So, it's not a um, – it's not a stretch to think Arkansas – Got Felipe Franks now. Yeah, but I'm not sold on him either. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so, it's not a stretch to think that they can't go in and beat Arkansas. UTEP is definitely beatable, and so is USF. So, not necessarily murderous road, to be honest. I think they go three and one, and they're out of conference games, and, and Bet Online has their over-under at six and a half. So I would definitely – honestly, it's one of the ones I'm very, very heavy on taking the over on. They returned 13 starters, uh, eight on defense – sorry, eight on offense, five on defense. Uh, quarterback Carson Strong was up and down as a freshman, but he played really, really great down the stretch. He, uh, he grew as the year went on, and I think he brings a lot of upside and a lot of confidence uh, to that program coming into his sophomore year. Uh, he's two solid wide receivers in Romeo Dalbs and Elijah Cooks to throw to and, he, and he's got solid support with running back Toa Tuala. Um, you know, they return a lot on offense guys. I think the offense will be really potent. What concerns me is the defense. Um, oh, sorry. And their offensive line actually also returns four starters as well. So it should give Carson plenty of time to throw the football and it should give 
a lot of a lot of room for running back Tuala to follow through. Now their defense is led by by Dom Patterson, who had 15 tackles for loss and nine sacks last season. He was really the lone bright spot who's coming back. They have a lot of stuff they have to a lot of productivity they have to replace on defense. Now there's their their backfield in the secondary is pretty solid. Safeties Austin Arnold and Tyson Williams uh, lead the secondary, and they have a lot of starts and a lot of experience back there. But like I said, the offense is definitely what's going to carry this team this year. I, I think the over is fair. I, I, I could see them being a seven, eight win team, especially if they can win all their out of conference games. Um, but the defense is really going to need to step up for, I think, for them to contend for the Mountain West title. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how they how they they do this year. And and to be honest with you, the West Division, uh, you know, it gives them an opportunity to maybe steal some of those games because you do have those slow starting offenses with mm -hmm. new new head coaches, and they you know they return their head coach and uh, Jay Norvell, and of course that the eight on offense is huge, right? That offensive chemistry, so. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Now, guys, one of the most successful Mountain West Conference schools in the San Diego State Aztec, listen to this, four out of the last five seasons, double-digit wins, 15, you had 11, 16, 11, 2017, 10, 2018, they had seven, and then back last year, they had another outstanding campaign uh, and ended, you know, and was ranked for some of the year. Um, so what do we see uh, with the San Diego State Aztecs, Kenny? San Diego State is a very interesting program. So they're out of conference games this year, Sacramento State, Toledo, UCLA, and their bet online over under is seven and a half. Now, I don't, I don't know what to think of that because – I'm sorry, and they also have BYU who's also out of conference. Um, I don't know what to think of that because they have 13 returning starters, seven on defense and six on offense. And they have a new head coach, which is Brady Hoke. Now Brady Hoke necessarily isn't new to San Diego state. He was the head coach in 2009 and 2010 before uh, taking the head coaching position at the university of Michigan. And then he was the defensive line coach last year under Rocky law long in 2019. So he's been back with the program for a year and he obviously has been with the program in the past. So it's not necessarily, an unfamiliar face taking over the program. He knows what it takes to be successful at San Diego state. And he's been on a lot of successful San Diego state teams as a coach. Now here's where it's interesting. San Diego state is a tale of two cities. And I, this is one of the most lopsided things I've ever seen uh, when researching college football programs, the offense was absolutely horrendous. And the defense might've been the best defense in the country last year. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. So I'm going to start – their defense was so good, that's where I'm going to start. Usually I start off with the offense, but I'm going to start out with the defense on this preview. Defensively, they're led by two all-Mountain West defensive linemen, Cameron Thomas and Keyshawn Banks, who combined have 24 tackles for losses and 10 sacks last year. Darren Hall is an absolute shutdown, lockdown corner who had 16 passes defended last year, one interception, and regularly held guys in check. Um, and, and played all over the field. He's a classic man-to-man -man defender. Uh, Tariq Thompson returns in the secondary as well. With he led the team with, or he returns as the leading um, leading player in interceptions with four. 
and linebacker safety hybrid Dwayne Johnson Jr., which is hilarious, by the way. How much how much stuff do you think he gets for being named Dwayne Johnson? Just yeah, like The seriously. Rock. The Rock is cooking. I know. Did that's you, <laughs> you just gotta own it at that point. But he the, but Dwayne Johnson Jr. returns as the leading as the leading returning tackler. And they have and all five of those guys were all conference selections that return on a defense that only allowed 12.7 points per game last year and finished in the top five nationally in multiple defensive categories. Like, they absolutely crushed people last year defensively. And then you look on offense, and it's the exact opposite. They were ranked 112th out of 128 FBS schools. Stink on offense. They had, the worst they, stink on o- they had the worst offense in the Mountain West. I mean, just terrible. Um, you know, And there's just not a lot to talk about that's coming back. Like, Carson Baker – is the favorite to win the job, but you know, he started all the spring practices that they got in this year, but he's not necessarily going to set the world on fire as a quarterback. And honestly, my the guy who stood out to me the most was Kobe Smith. I think he's the lone bright spot. He was the one guy who consistently put up production last year on a really, really bad offense at the receiver position. So the over under a seven and a half. <sighs> I would take. I don't know what to say here, man. Because I could say easily. It. If, if, if the <laughs> do off, it, do if it. The, if the, I'm an over guy. I think taking the under is always a weak move. It's in my opinion. <laughs> I'm an I'm an over guy. So I would probably bet the over because I think even if the offense gets better, marginally better, like even if they finish 80th in the country versus 112th, and that defense, you know, even if the defense gives up a little bit. It isn't even necessarily a top five defense, even if they're still a top 15 defense, which I absolutely think they can be with, with what returns for them this year. I think they're, they're an eight, nine win team and a contender to win the Mountain West Conference, at least represent their, their side of the division in the Mountain West title game. So I would take the over personally. I, I think there's a solid bet to win eight. And if the, def- if the offense can be somewhat better, they could possibly win nine and maybe double digit wins because they won double digit wins last year with this bad offense. So. Who knows? Brady Hoke, also one of my favorite coaches in the Division One level. You know why? He rarely ever wins a head. He never wears a headset. It's like the most old school thing ever. He just goes up. He's just motivating his dudes, right? He's, he's you know, if he's got to ask a question of his coordinators, he never wear, he rarely wear, uh, wears a headset, which I think is, is kind of cool, very old school. It's, so it's kind of fun to see him. But love Brady Hoke, man. Love to see him back and i'd love to see him have some success and san San diego state you know like i said guys for the last five years really excellent program i mean double digit wins in four out of the last five seasons uh obviously being in california you have the ability to recruit well and they do recruit well um that and being in san diego also does not hurt uh now kind of switching over to a another california school one that is probably the exact opposite of San Diego State, and that would be San Jose State. And, and they're an interesting program as the fact that they've really never had any success. They've had one double-digit win season uh, since 1988. So, Kenny, is this the season that they can get above 10 wins, 10 wins or above? No. No, no, no I, I don't think so. They're out, they're out of conference games or Central Michigan, uh, who is better than what people give them credit for. UC Davis, they should be able to win. Then they play Penn State, which is probably going to be a loss. And then they play UConn, which Gal Udet could beat UConn. So they should wipe out UConn. But, you know, they're, 
Their better line has their over under at five and a half. They have 13 returning starters, seven on defense, six on offense. But, you know, they lost Josh Love, who was a record-setting quarterback at San Jose State and really an elite quarterback in the NCAA last year. So that's a big hole to fill. They had seven guys in, in spring camp this year vying for the quarterback position. Ugh. That's not, not normally that's not normally a good thing. And the guy who is leading the pack is Nick Starkle. He's the lead candidate who is on his third school now and is hoping third time's a charm because he didn't make it at Texas A&M and he didn't make it at Arkansas. So and he's got to make it at San Jose State, guys. Or Tate Martell is a soothsayer because remember Tate Martell had his text or his DMs get leaked when they asked that if, when one, someone at Texas A&M was like, "Hey, you're coming here, right, Tate?" And he goes. He goes, he goes, could you even beat out the quarterback? He goes, are you kidding me? Nick Starkle's ass, my dude. So, <laughs> so uh, we all know what Tate Martell thinks of Nick Starkle, and he hasn't really done anything to disprove what Tate Martell has to think about him. Now, wide receivers Trey Walker, Isaiah Hamilton, and Bailey Gaither will give whoever wins the starting quarterback job amazing targets to throw to. They're, uh, they're easily the best receiving trio in the conference. Trey, Wor- Trey Walker is all-world and is uber-athletic. I loved what I saw with him on film, and he's, he's going to be an easy first-team All-Mountain West Conference guy as long, as long as he stays healthy. And I don't think it really matters who's throwing to him. Now, the defense was really, really, really bad last year. They were ranked 99th in the country, and really the only bright spots I saw were Trey Webb and uh, Jay Leonard who returned to lead the secondary. They had three interceptions combined between them last year. You know, honestly, I think they go two and two and out of conference play. Uh, I think they're right at the over under. I don't know if they're going to go bowling. So I don't know if I'm, if I'm extremely bullish on the over five and a half, uh, just because I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. I'm not completely confident now. However, if they find a quarterback and he turns out to be halfway competent and a decent replacement for Josh Love, then, you know, they might go that over. But at this point, I'm not particularly convinced of it because I just don't think their defense is going to carry them. Uh, it's, it, it's not very good. And they were carried last year by an, a really, really w- good offense, and they still only went five and seven. So I'm not convinced. San Diego State, who I also believe have one of the most underrated uniforms in Division One. I. I love the, the, the yellow with the – with the Royal blue and of course the Spartan on their helmet. I'm actually a big fan. They may be a top tenner for me when it, so they may not win 10 games, but they'll look like they win 10 games because they got sharp unis. I like them. Big fan. Anyways, kind of rounding out the West uh, to his, uh, to his school that last year actually had a couple big wins and ended the season really well, guys, listen to this. So they went on the road midway through October and actually beat Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt. Now I know what you're saying, Vanderbilt, right? Bottom of the <laughs> SEC, but dude, we're talking about UNLV here, right? UNLV going to an SEC school and winning on the road. And then they end up beating San Jose state and at Nevada to end their season. So a little bit of hope here. Um, and, you know, obviously installing a new or uh, bringing in a new head coach in Marcus Arroyo, uh, the former offensive coordinator at Oregon. Kenny, how do we see UNLV faring here in 2020? Uh, not well. You know, they're out of conference games or against Cal and Louisiana Tech and Arizona State and Iowa State. They have Ugh. a brutal out of conference schedule. Go and I don't four in those. I don't They'll think they're going to win any of those. I mean, the, the, 
the easiest team they faced is Louisiana Tech, and Louisiana Tech is really, really good for a G5. Bowl team, bowl team that beat Miami last year. So it, yeah. Exactly. So I, I don't think they're going to even win one at a conference game. You know, they, like you said, Gloss, they have a new head coach in Marcus Arroyo who is bringing some optimism to the program. You know, he's, he was the OC at Oregon. He helped lead Oregon back to prominence on offense. You know, they have 12 returning starters, eight on offense, four on defense. But, you know, is the eight on offense really that great? Because it was ranked 92nd. They ranked they were ranked 92nd on offense last year. So they weren't great. Uh, Kenyon Oblad had a decent freshman year, but he's going to face as at quarterback. But he's going to face stiff competition from Justin Rogers, a, a highly touted recruit who uh, initially committed to TCU and enrolled in TCU, and he's now transferred to UNLV. So that's going to be an open competition. Uh, Charles Williams was by far the most productive player on the offense. It was an all Mountain West selection. He had 1,300 yards receiving and 1,100 – sorry, 11 touchdowns. So really, really good guy coming out of the backfield. Uh, and defensively, they were worse than what their offense was, which is saying something. They were ranked 105th in the country. Uh, Colo – uh, Yusaki and uh, Tavis Malakius and TCU transfer Adam Plant bring hope on the D-line, and that's gonna really going to be the strength of that defense is that D-line. you got three guys who are going to be really, really solid, but they have a lot of guys they need to replace on defense. Like I said, they're only returning four. But look, if you're a UNLV fan, this season's going to be a little rough, but you know, there's optimism. You've got a, a young guy, a head coach who – led a P5 program, some really, really great offensive seasons. You just moved in to the newly built uh, stadium that the Raiders are going to be playing in, Allegiant Field, which is amazing. And then you also just moved in to a new uh, football complex right there on your campus called the Fertitta Football Complex. That was a $34 million project. So there is hope. You know, the arrow is pointing up. It might not necessarily translate into wins this year, but if you're a UNLV fan, you've got a brand-new stadium, a brand-new football complex, and a brand-new head coach who brings an exciting offense, uh, who can bring an exciting offense to your program. But it's just not going to be there in 2020, unfortunately. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So in the West, we got Fresno State, Hawaii, Nevada, San Diego State, San Jose State, and UNLV. Kenny, who comes out of the West? San Diego State. I think. San Diego State's the winner. Pastel, you got a you got a dog in the race here. Going Nevada. Nevada. I tell all you right. what, though, I, just kidding. Just hearing you kind of read all those over unders and everything. What a garbage division. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah. I, I I'm telling you, man. I was I, like, I'm 
I love doing research in college on college football. And I love finding things that most people can't find or like these obscure stats or like these small little things that maybe most people aren't going to on the national level, pay attention to. And I really, really struggled finding a lot of positives on the West um, just with all, like all the new coaching changes and a lot of, a lot of production. There's not a lot of teams that have a, a, a ton of production coming back either, um, which like I said, necessarily isn't the worst thing, but there's just, just not a lot of great football going to be played in the West side this year. Yeah, no, I agree. Pastel, you took the words right out of my mouth. Like looking through <laughs> this, I'm like, does anybody want to win this division? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, a lot of, a lot of teams to your point, uh, Kenny, that are rebuilding new head coaches, new offenses, new quarterbacks. I mean, really the, the, the two teams last year in this division, uh, you know, were, were Hawaii and San Diego state and, San Diego State won 10 games, but it, it wasn't due to their offense, right? I mean, they were a team that, that were really uh, really shut down on defense. So you heard it here first, guys, San Diego State uh, and or Nevada to come out uh, to play the winner of the Mountain Division. Now, Pastel, we're going to start the Mountain Division by talking about a program that really needs no introduction other than really probably in the last 15 years maybe 20 years. I'd go 15 years. I'd put Boise State is probably the best G5 program in the country. Uh, had an outstanding 2019 going 12 and two and then going undefeated in conference. So what do we see out of the Broncos here uh, in 2020? And do we expect them to dominate like they always do? Yeah, I would say I would expect them this year to, to dominate. They're over under on better line is nine and a half. And let's just be honest, guys. The reason why a lot of team or player or people want the playoffs to be expanded from once was two to four, and now a lot of people want it to go to eight, is for teams specifically like Boise State to have a chance. Because you could arguably make a case this year that they could go undefeated. And then what's going to happen? Are they still going to not be in the top four? They probably won't be, and that's what's very frustrating in today's college landscape. Should uh, be. Correct. Um, but that, that all being said, I think one more thing to highlight before I really dive deep into Boise State is that Mountain West, they got a new TV deal this past year. And this TV deal is worth $270 million, and it's going to really start uh, having these games in the Mountain West be on CBS and Fox. So you're not going to see Boise State on ESPN anymore, but not as many, as many times in the year that you're normally seeing uh, these past 10 years, which I think is very interesting because, one, it's going to be a different feel. And they've already said that the Fox – they're going to have like a Fox game day this year, more or less kind of like the ESPN game day. Mm -hmm. And Fox game day – is going to try to really promote the Boise State program from the Mountain West, which is something that ESPN never really did. They never went to Boise State to have college game day. So I think that's going to kind of be, a, it's going to be different seeing them on Fox and CBS, but watch Boise State's program get more notoriety just because I think Fox and CBS is going to kind of promote them more than what ESPN did initially. So there's something to watch for, something that just happened this offseason. But Boise State and themselves, they're right back to it, man. I mean, they've got – They've got everything. Look, they're going to all cylinders. I, in my opinion, they've got the, the, the best returning player in Khalil Shakir, a wide receiver that had over 800 yards uh, uh, receiving this past year. Uh, their quarterback, who Hank Bachmeyer, he was a freshman last mm -hmm. year. He split time uh, with Jalen Henderson, who Jalen Henderson is now gone. But Bachmeyer, he looks like the guy that's going to take, realm, uh, take the realm. He had 1,800 yards passing last year, but really that was split time with Jalen Henderson. The big question mark right now is where does Jack Sears, the USC transfer quarterback, where does he play in all this? Does he have that ability to really push uh, Bachmeyer for that starting role without really an offseason? I mean, you can make a case that he was. He can because Jack Sears was a highly touted recruit as well that just didn't really get that opportunity to play at USC. 
but outside of that, they got other uh, players like uh, George Halani. He's a running back that had over 1,000 yards rushing last year. He's returning. You have linebacker Riley Wimp uh, Wimpy. He had over 83 tackles last year. Um, Dimitri Washington had over four sacks last year. So they have a lot of good returning players, but the problem that they're going to – I mean, they have some big-time talent that they're going to have to replace as well. Curtis Weaver, mm -hmm. I mean, he had some big-time production last year uh, with them with – uh, I think he had over 34 sacks in his career at Boise State, which is, you know, and that's a lot. And then you had Ezra Cleveland, one of the better offensive linemen in college football last year. Mm -hmm. You lose him. You lose him along with John Malkin, uh, John Hightower, the wide receiver, and Garrett Lawson, the other offensive lineman across the other side from uh, Ezra Cleveland. So you got, you got a lot of big-time losses. That all being said, like I said, their over-under is 9.5. Their toughest out-of-conference game is Florida State, and we all – I think here, don't believe Florida State is really going to be that great next year. So that's another reason why I think – I know we – you know, pre-show, Kenny, you mentioned you take the under on Boise State. I think I take the over just because their out-of-conference schedule is not that hard, and they're probably going to beat uh, Florida State. And then in conference, yes, the mountain part of this division is an uptick from last year. Like, they're a little bit better. I mean, Air Force is going to be the real deal next year. But I can see them winning – and I can see them winning 10 games this year. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it, it, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily sold that they're going to be the under. I just was saying, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go under um, just because I think the division whole. But Hank Botmeyer is great, man. I think he's going to end up being the starting quarterback. Now, the problem with Hank last year is he got just beat up. That was why he ended up splitting time. He, like, didn't get benched or lose playing time. He, he lost playing time because he got hurt so often. Not, 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 not necessarily, though. There was a three-quarterback race there in the beginning of the season, if you remember. It did take him a little bit of time to get well, – yeah, he, well, he won the job because he started, he started game one at Florida State. Because, remember, that was the game where they were down at halftime and he came back in the second half and yeah. won the game. Yeah. So, I mean, he won the job coming out of spring or, or fall camp as a true freshman. So, he's definitely – I think he's definitely the guy. He just has to stay healthy. That's the biggest thing. I mean, Jalen Henderson was a good quarterback. I'm not taking anything away from him, but – the offense definitely ran better with Hank Bachmeyer in there last year, just looking off of stuff, some of the stuff I watched at Boise. But going back to this one, one thing real quick, because I thought it was interesting, Brandon, you brought up the TV deal. Going back to that, it's going to be weird. So CBS is going to – CBS basically is going to cover – the Fox deal is kind of big, but it's really not that the bigger portion of it. The CBS part of it is going to be the big part. CBS is basically going to be the lead um, – program for broadcasting so they basically it's a it's it's pretty much unspoken that they're gonna broadcast the top football and basketball matchups for the mountain west but you know why that's kind of interesting is because cbs is losing the sec they're not going to be covering the sec anymore so Gless, you know how weird that's going to be hearing gary danielson and brad nestler cover like boise air force instead of now instead of auburn alabama well, it, it's funny you bring that up, and it's actually a great segue because I think the biggest hurdle they have – I actually don't think Florida State, that, that game, I know that's their biggest out-of-conference game, but I look at their schedule here, and I think their biggest game is going to be week two against Air Force. Um, that is ma that's a massive early game, and I think that's one on September 12th uh, that I will certainly be tuning into because I think the winner of the Mountain Division here could easily be crowned here in week two. And that's actually a perfect segue into the second team uh, in, in the Mountain Division, and that would be Air Force. And, guys, people sleep on Troy Calhoun. 
at 98 and 69 and 14 season in the Air Force. And last year was an outstanding season. And aside from a week two loss to Boise, where they lost 30 to 30 to 19, they went seven and one in conference and 11 and two overall. So uh, really loved what Troy Calhoun did last year at Air Force. Now, Pastel, do we see a lot of the same this year? Or is it kind of back to six-win, seven-win Air Force? Oh, no, no, no. Air Force is the real deal, my man. Like, Troy Calhoun, he, he has built something, and it could be very special this year. Uh, and you saw that last – the last game when they played Washington State in the, uh, the Cheez-It Bowl. I, first of all, I love it because I was a triple-option quarterback. But they got the ball in the first quarter, mind you, with, I think, I think 12.50 left in the first quarter. They held the ball until – it was like 14 minutes in the second quarter, and they finally scored a touchdown. Like, they killed 13 minutes of time of possession. By the time they finished their second position, possession, there was two minutes left in the second half. I, it was just unbelievable, and they ended up winning that game 31-21 against Washington State. But that, all that being said, they're led by D.J. Hammond, who is one of the best option quarterbacks that I've seen because not only his ability to run the football, but he's that rare, he has that rare ability to actually throw the football. Uh, and then you have top rushing returners uh, as far as Caden Rimsburg, who had over 1,000 yards and eight TDs last year. Yeah, they lost uh, Tevin uh, Birdo. He was the fullback, which we all know, you know, fullbacks and triple options in that ace type of formation. They're, they're obviously the big portion of that offense. I would argue the second most important player in that type of offense outside of the quarterback. He had 840 yards and seven TDs. He's gone, and that's going to be some tough production to replace, but – I tell you, one guy that's going to help whoever is behind him, and that's the offensive lineman Nolan Lufenberg. Guys, he is probably, arguably, the second or third best offensive guard in college football. Pro Football Focus has never rated a guy this high in their, in, in the, you know, as long as Pro Football Focus has rated guards outside of uh, Quentin Nelson from mm -hmm. Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. So Quentin Nelson, number one. Nolan Lufenberg, number two. This guy will get drafted. Now, I'm not sure his – commitment to the uh, Air Force after this, if that's going to have any factors into it. But watch this guy go, you know, day two, early day three, just because of his, his potential. Um, he's, six, he's six foot three. He's a straight mauler. But they have a lot of returning uh, offenses. And that's his, by the way, he's one of the two offensive linemen that can be drafted for Air Force. So they've got a really good offensive line. Top quarterback coming back. Really good uh, running back as well coming back. They have a guy, Kyle Patterson, at tight end. He was a true freshman last year. He's 6'5", 235. This guy turned down offers from Washington, UCLA, and Alabama. Watch for him to kind of step up next year and really be that go-to uh, threat for quarterback Donald Hammond to really kind of bolster that offense from not only a pass – or, sorry, a rushing offense, but to a passing offense. And mind you guys, I thought this was kind of a fun stat, obviously, and it kind of makes sense, right? So Navy, Air Force, and Army, respectively, were 1, 2, and 3 in rushing, in rushing offense last year. Just I, I love triple uh, triple option offense, guys. I know yeah. it's go ahead, Kenny. Yeah, so Pastel, um, there is a waiver that he can get to go pro now. Like that, that's that. So it was re rescinded, but now that is back on the table again. Like that's a like you, if if someone from the service academy actually gets drafted, then they can fill out a waiver and delay their service until after it's after their pro career is over. I wonder if that means he actually has to like serve when he's done. Like, could you imagine being like a, a pro bowl type of caliber? You retire at the age of 33 and then you go in as like a second Lieutenant. I think, <laughs> I think you, I think you have to maintain a reserve status when you're, when you're obviously like if, so he say he gets drafted by like, I don't know the, the Buccaneers, if he's playing for the Buccaneers, 
during his whole career or whatever or he's playing his career is to maintain his reserve status. And I think once he gets out, I think I had read something to where like basically they're just going to use him as like a as like a recruiter. Makes sense. Yeah, two, it helps. Two two weekends a month, one week one a year. year. <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember that movie we yes. talked about reserves in the army? In the army yeah. Yeah. yeah, in the army. Classic. That's what made me think of that. Um, Air Force certainly a, a, a force to be reckoned with. Again, anytime you play Air Force, um, it's such a challenge. Not only do they have DJ Hammond, who's such a dynamic quarterback with the ball in his hands in the triple option offense, but just simply preparing for that week in and week out is extremely difficult. And, and to be able to try to replicate what they do, um, you know, again, Air Force a force to be reckoned with, and I'm extremely excited to watch again. Like I said, that week two game against Boise, I, I think well, I have circled as a Mountain West game that I'll definitely watch. One more quick thing on that too is they not only play Boise State, but then they play Purdue the very following next weekend. So they've got two of their t- really that's their toughest stretch right there is Boise State and Purdue. Yeah. Now that game is let's see, yeah, that's at Purdue, so that's going to be tough. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, it'll be tough for Purdue. Because they got to go prepare for an offense that, I mean, when's the last time Purdue's played a triple option offense? It's probably been a long time. So, yeah, it'll be a challenge on both sides. Now, moving on to a school pastel that has has to replace a first-round quarterback, and that's Utah State. Yeah, Utah State, they're over under this year is five and a half. And I think, honestly, I think that's fair. And, Kenny, I think you could probably go on this after I'm done done here. I think you probably have the over on this. But they have, you know, Gary Anderson going to his second year. After replace, what was it, Matt Wells, the head coach for Texas Tech uh, this past year, mm-hmm. he went seven and six last year, and I get it. Like I get Jordan Love was a first round caliber quarterback, and I get that he had he had a was it ten ten new stars around him this past year, but mm-hmm. I I still think seven and six was kind of a disappointment last year. I'm not saying they should have went and been you know ten and three or so forth, but I thought they were going to win more than seven games, and they didn't. And I don't know how, once you lose a first-round type of caliber quarterback, the best quarterback ever at Utah State, and you're going to tell me that they're going to have a better season or just as good of a season? I just can't see that. The recruiting classes haven't helped either. They were 109 last year. They're at 90 this year, probably one of their better recruiting classes. And then for next year, they're at 126. I I wish I saw more promise. I know they have a lot of returning starters because they didn't have – because they were so young last year, more or less. I mean, they have Jordan Nathan – kind of that all-purpose back that's coming back. Shaq Bond might be their best player on the football team, the safety. He's probably that one guy that you could see NFL potential. Sorry, I'm mistaken. Savon Scarver is probably their best football player. He's their kick returner. That was an All-American, if you remember, in 2018. Consensus All-American from Utah State. Only the third player in Utah State history to ever be a consensus All-American. Uh, and he's coming back. So that's probably their best player. But you also have linebacker Joy uh, Leffingen Jr. Yeah. Alfred Edwards, uh, Carter Shaw, both on the offensive line. And then on the D line, you have Justice Teal. So you have a lot of guys that are coming back. They still have to grow. They still have to develop. I mean, it's going to be a four-way battle at quarterback. I think Henry Columbine will probably make the, the leap to be that starting quarterback only because he has uh, previously started for Jordan Love when Jordan Love has been out. Everyone else is kind of very new to the system. And he's going to probably win this almost by default because there hasn't been an offseason. They had a few practices prior to the COVID um, you know, pandemic, but really that was probably four or five practices, not very much. Um, I will say, thankfully for whoever is playing quarterback, they have pretty much their whole entire wide receiver core coming back. I mean, that definitely helps any transition. So there will be some type of continuity. And obviously with Colin by, like he's probably worked with them with the second team offenses and so forth. Defense though, 
Utah State's never really had that great of a defense. They've had players on defense. Um, and I don't think they're going to be very good next year either. Like outside of Shaq Bond, who is their, their best safety, who's probably going to be a Mountain West first team or second team player this year. Outside of him, I don't see a whole lot of promise. Uh, their strength of schedule is 79th in the nation. And that's the only reason why I kind of give them a, a slight chance to get over that 5.5. Their schedule isn't very hard. But say they're not, it's not very hard. They're out of conference games are against Washington State and versus Washington. So I don't think they're going to win those games. But we'll see. I mean, I, I personally would have the, the under. Kenny, what do you think? Um, I, you know, probably I, five and a half is fair. I, you know, I didn't think last year was very disappointing at seven and six. I mean, considering they lost – they had to replace ten starters on offense, which, I mean, I don't care who your quarterback is. You lose ten stars on offense, that's not good. That's very, 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 very bad. That's very hard to replace. And then not only that, their best player, David Woodward, got injured halfway through the season and missed the rest of the year. You know, he was the first-team All-American in, in 2018 as a, as a middle linebacker, and he declared for the draft this year. So – I, I, seven and six last year, I thought with a new coach and having to replace 10 starters on offense was actually kind of an overachievement, especially I think they had LSU on the schedule. Like their out of conference schedule, schedule last year was, and they'd wake out of conference as well. They had a brutal out of conference schedule last year. So for them to go seven and six, I thought was pretty impressive. Um, but I don't, they have a lot more they got to replace this year with Love and Woodward gone. And so, yeah, I, I could see them being a five, six win team as their ceiling. Yeah, definitely a team that's just kind of kind of huddling there, and I think re- uh, replacing Bright Love is I think it's going to be extremely difficult for them, especially being in the Mountain Division where you have to play with the likes of of Air Force and Boise. Now, moving on to a school, guys, this is interesting. Just kind of my research. This is a school last year that went eight and five and went four and four in conference. But listen to some of these wins, man. They went. They opened up last year, beat Missouri, uh, beat Missouri in SEC school. Um, and had a couple other big wins along the way, uh, you know, but and really a team that probably kicks themselves in the butt because at San Diego State, they lost by four points. Uh, Boise, they lost by a field goal in overtime. And Utah State, they lost by five. So really, you take two of those three games and you're a 10-win team. Um, so certainly a program that, in my opinion, underperformed last year because they could have easily been – uh, you know, up there with Boise and Air Force at the top of the Mountain Division. And that'd be the Wyoming Cowboys. Yeah, Wyoming was interesting, man. I, so I watched the whole entire game versus Boise State the other day, and they dominated that game. They should have won that game. Like, Boise State should have lost that game. It came down to overtime, and Wyoming did a, a flea flicker on the first play, and it should have got picked off. Um, but then they decided to keep the field goal, obviously, because they couldn't get any more yards. They got stopped on third and one. And he missed the, the field goal to go into a second overtime. Outside of that, though, uh, Wyoming, they, I mean, like you said, Gless, they probably were a 10-win team last year that just couldn't really finish at the last, last bit. And arguably, it's because their offensive line sucked. Like, that offensive line was garbage. But they had some phenomenal skill players like Xavier Valade, probably the best running back in Mountain West. And this guy is a, a complete stud. He had over, let's see, what was it? Do, 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 he had 1,200. 1,265 yards uh, rushing last year. And just watching that game, he was slicing and dicing up the Boise State defense, which we could all argue was one of the better defenses in the Mountain West. You had the quarterback, Tyler Van uh, Vanderwall. So he transferred to Idaho State, which I actually thought he was a pretty good quarterback for a while. I mean, I thought he had a lot of, a lot of arm talent. 
but comes back. Sean uh, Chambers, he's a six, six foot three, 225 pound quarterback that he, he did start for Wyoming. He had a couple of knee injuries. The problem with him is he wasn't very accurate. He had a 43% completion uh, rate on his passes. Woof. Yeah, woof, right? But he, he was able to run. He's kind of that dual threat quarterback. He had 567 yards uh, rushing to go along with 10 scores. So, like, that helps when you can't pass the ball that well. But if you wonder why they couldn't really convert towards the end of the game, it's probably because you had a quarterback that couldn't really pass very well or accurately. And that, that obviously hurts. Um, all that being said, hopefully he's able to make that next leap forward. I, I think – so the over-under for Wyoming is 6.5. And I think a lot of that has to do with some key losses, especially on the defensive side. Like Logan Wilson, a third-round pick from Cincinnati Bengals, he was really the anchor to that defense that was everywhere. And then you also had Elijah Halliburton. He was the safety. He was All-American, uh, sorry, All-Mountain West safety this past year. You lose him. You do have a few returners that show some promise, and I would say I would argue they're mostly on the defensive side. So that Solomon Bird, the defensive end, he's a uh, he's six foot four, two hundred forty-seven pound player who had forty-five uh, tackles and six point five sacks and nine or 10 tackles for losses last year. You have uh, Chad Muma, linebacker, another linebacker, Keon, uh, Blankenbaker, safety, Rome Weber, and defensive tackle, Mario Mora. These are all guys on the defensive side of the football. So I think their defense, even though you lose two big guys to the NFL, I think these guys will help probably anchor them. Mm -hmm. Um, They're out of conference schedule. They start out with FCS powerhouse, Weber State. Usually they're kind of up there in the top top five. So you might be – might be on upset alert there from a, a small, t- small, uh, small school mm-hmm. team. And then you got Utah on September 19th, which is probably going to be their toughest game of the year. The Utes are obviously always very good team. Again, six and a half. I think that's right around where they probably are. I would probably pick the under on them as well. Kidding, like I know you, you say you're, you're pretty high on this division. I think they're good. They're better than the West. But there's just not a lot of talent outside of – Air Force and Boise State, and then everyone else is kind of a maybe. Yeah, I think Wyoming could be the exception just because I, yeah, quarterback's tough with Chambers. You know, he's got to improve, obviously, with his completion percentage. But Craig Bull's a really, really good coach, man. Uh, and what he's done at Wyoming has been nothing short of outstanding. And yeah, they just, you know, they might have blew the opportunity last year to have a really, truly special season in Wyoming. But Craig Bowles is going to end up in the College Hall of Fame as a head coach one day. And, and you know, from what he's done at North Dakota State and what he's been doing at a, at a program like Wyoming, who by in no means should really be that competitive. I mean, they play seven-on-seven football in Wyoming. They don't even play 11-man football at high school out there. So, you know, what he's recruiting from and the well he's got to recruit from and what he's doing there is, is nothing short of outstanding. So, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm high on them, but that's kind of where I, they start to fall off, I think, is, is after Wyoming. Certainly a year-by-year year year thing with Wyoming. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's just tough to get talent to go to Wyoming and, and play football there. So uh, something to keep an eye on, um, again, with Craig, uh, Craig Broll's uh, – uh, sorry, Bulls. Never, uh, you're never out of it as far as a competitive game. So uh, moving on, uh, Colorado State welcoming first-year coach Steve Adazio, who we also know as Mike Rizzo, general manager and president of baseball operations for the Washington Nationals, who means a lot to everybody in the show as all three of us are Nats fans. Steve Adazio is his doppelganger, and he is now coming to Fort Collins uh, in order to lead the Colorado State program. I'll I tell you what, guys, I, so this is that team – that I'm more high on Colorado State. They have some some players on offense that are explosive. 
I'm talking explosive. I mean, Kenny, I think you highlighted Warren Jackson on a previous segment. Mm -hmm. I mean, this kid's the real deal. And there's no doubt about it. He's going to get drafted. Uh, So they were, you know, four and eight overall last year, three, five in the Mountain West. I definitely think they take that next step forward. The over-under on better line is 5.5. I think I actually take the over. Uh, I mean, they had 305 yards passing last last year per game. I think you're going to see Adazio. He's probably going to be more of that. He's going to bring a running game to Colorado State. I mean, that's what he did at Boston College. He's going to do that at Colorado State. But he's going to utilize the talent that he has there right now. And that strength is the passing game. So I could see them kind of maybe taking a slight dip in the passing game. But it won't be too much. Not the first year. The biggest problem with Colorado State right now is their offensive line. They allowed, I think, the most sacks in the Mountain, Mountain West last year. And they just lost their two starting offensive linemen to transfer. And that's TJ Stormont to TCU and Reedan Noili to Nebraska. So you already had a weak offensive line, and then you lost your two starters to other schools. And that's not going to bode well um, for him. But I think the quarterback, uh, Patrick O'Brien, he showed a lot of promise last year. So this was a former transfer from Nebraska. He had 2,800 yards passing, 13 TDs, seven interceptions. But those seven interceptions, I really would argue it was because of his weak offensive line. Like I saw him going back there, scrambling for his life and kind of just throwing it up occasionally, and it's like, I get he probably should throw it out of bounds. He probably should be a little bit smart with football. He does tend to hang on the ball a little bit long occasionally. But really, like, I mean, what is a quarterback to do in that situation? He's going to have to compete with a transfer quarterback from uh, Temple University, and that's Todd Santillo. He's more of that dual-threat quarterback. So I think that's where I think things get interesting is with a really bad offensive line. Does somebody like a dual-threat quarterback kind of, like, help propel himself into that starting lineup just purely because you need a guy that can buy more time from the quarterback position? But, but I mean, whoever is at quarterback, thank God you got a guy like Warren Jackson at wide receiver. The guy caught 77 passes last year, 1,119 yards receiving, eight TDs. I think he's six foot five, six six uh, player. I mean, he's a he's a big time player. You also have other receivers like Auburn transfer Nate Craig Myers. He's back along with uh, Dante Wright. Tight end Trey McBride is the real deal. He's probably going to be Mountain West. He's probably the best tight end in the Mountain West. I mean, it's going to be a high-octane offense with a really, really bad defense. Uh, I mean, think about the last coach, Mike uh, Bobo. I mean, he was never known for his, for his defense. Last year, I want to say they ranked in the 70, 70, 75 range on total defense, and that was his best year in his tenure at Colorado State. So, like, it's going to be an offensive-driven team, probably a little bit more run-oriented than what you were used to seeing. Defense isn't going to be there, not yet. I think you're going to have to give Steve Adazio probably two or three years to really start building what he built. Uh, at Boston College, but I think they're trending upwards and with the right mix of players, and if that offensive line can get it together, then I think I hammer the over on Colorado State this uh, upcoming year. Yeah, Steve Adazio is certainly an offensive guy, comes from the Urban Meyer tree, you know, made head coaching stops at at Temple and then ultimately up to uh, Boston College and now at Colorado State, definitely a, a respected guy in the coaching community. So I'd like to see him get this program back together. It's really one that doesn't have a whole lot of football tradition, but again, does compete in one of the one of the more fun rivalry games that I watch, Colorado, Colorado State. So rounding out the, the Mountain Division will be New Mexico and just like Colorado State Pastel, they are welcoming, welcoming in a new head coach. Uh, do we see things change here at the University of New Mexico? Not year one. Not year one for Dave, uh, Danny Gonzalez. I think they have a great coaching staff. I'll say that. Like, they were able to kind of rebuild off of uh, what Bob Davey didn't leave him, New Mexico, uh, this past few years. So, I think 
he's coming, you know, Danny Gonzalez coming from Arizona State. He's known uh, with that 3-3-5 defense along with Rocky Long, who's coming back to New Mexico. Now, remember Rocky Long, he was the, uh, he was the head coach for New Mexico back in, was it 1998 to 2008? Uh, he was that coach that brought, brought New Mexico for the first time ever to win three or to go to three straight bowl games. Uh, so you got him back with uh, Danny Gonzalez. This is interesting, though. I will say uh, we were talking pre-show. Rocky Long was the head coach for was it San Diego State, mm-hmm. and yeah. he was eighty-one and thirty-eight before Brady Hoke took over. But that's because Rocky Long resigned. Why would you resign after going eighty-one and thirty-eight and all arrows pointed up? Sometimes, sometimes you just don't like to be uh, the the stresses of being a head coach. I mean, you got to go through and deal with the recruiting, and there's a, I think there's a lot more stress in the head coach position than there ever has been. Um, it's always been a stressful job. You're always competing for your job week in and week out with 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 boosters that want your head off if you, you lose a rivalry game or whatever. I just think he's a guy who just didn't want to be a head coach anymore, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's a, it's yeah. a lot of stressors that go along with being a head coach. You're going back to your own mater. I mean, he played quarterback there uh, back in 1969 to 71. Now, he's probably going to bring the a spread RPO type of offense to New Mexico, which would be pretty exciting to to see. The problem with him is his first three games are Idaho State, New, uh, Mississippi State, and then he's going to USC. So, ouch. He's going to probably be 0-3 to kind of start out his career. He, might, I mean, he might – Idaho State, he probably won that game maybe. Uh, he's got – a couple key returners. He's got actually quite a few uh, returners coming back. I think he has over – he's got 30 seniors on the roster. So that's going to help him uh, next year. But some, some key guys coming back, Marcus Williams, the tight end, Kyle Stapley, the center, Jacob Hearn, the linebacker, Tyson Dyer, probably one of the better punters in the Mountain West, and then Teton Saltz, the other offensive lineman. Um, so, I mean, the over-under for New Mexico is three and a half. I, I, I'm hesitant to bet the over on that, even though it's three and a half. But I think what you're going to see the progress for New Mexico is probably going to be in a year or two from now because yeah, right now hard, like, there's not a lot left in that team. Yeah, uh, hard to see where they where where they get these wins from. Again, zero and eight in conference last year, uh, two and ten overall. Um, that seems probably just about right for me. Uh, probably, I know Kenny doesn't like me to say this, but probably hammer the under there for New Mexico. Um, anyways, that rounds out the that rounds out the. The, the Mountain Division, Boise State, Air Force, Utah State, Wyoming, Colorado State, and New Mexico. Guys, the question is, though, Pastel, does Boise State continue their reign at the top of the mountain, or does Air Force upset them there in week two and ultimately wins and plays for the Mountain West Championship? As much as I, I kind of want to say Air Force, I think it's still Boise State, man. Yeah, agreed. Business as usual. Uh, Boise State wins this side of the division, and they win the Mountain West Conference outright in the conference championship. Game. You mean Blue That's Mountain was, State, right? That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, hard for me to see anybody upstate and boy uh, up up uprooting Boise here. Certainly, nobody in the West. Um, you know, their toughest thing is going to come in division, and that's against Air Force Week 2. Again, sir, if you are a Mountain West fan, circle that Week 2 uh, where Boise travels to the Air Force Academy and takes them on. Uh, should be a really exciting game. And, and, and again, you know, there's three or four in here teams that could, could possibly m- make some moves, like we said, Wyoming, Colorado State potentially. So exciting there. Now, mm-hmm. uh, guys, we, we had this. Our sponsor is back. 
and stats that will impact the Mountain West standings brought to you by Top Dog Analytics. Is, is your business drowning in data and you don't know what to do with it all? Use that data to your advantage. Top Dog Analytics can turn your mountains of data into actionable insights for your team by using cutting edge data science techniques, giving you a crushing advantage over your competition. Visit topdoganalytics.com. That's top dog d a w g analytics.com to learn how top dog can help your business today now guys mountain west couple stats from 2019 that really stood out to me um teams that convert on third downs perform extremely well in this conference listen to this uh air force academy was second in the nation last year in third downs mm -hmm. uh boise state was 10th and hawaii was 12th what do all those what do all those teams have in co in common all three double-digit uh, double wins. You mm -hmm. convert on third down, you're going to win in this conference. And then just the amount of first downs. Um, you know, uh, I'm sorry, Air Force 286, Boise 318, and then Hawaii at 376. So being able to convert third downs is huge. And just being able to keep the chains moving in this conference really allows you to win uh, and, and, and win at a wide margin. If you look at a lot of the other teams that are really bad, they're really poor at these stats. So it's really a grinded out conference, not a ton of big plays outside of maybe a Hawaii that you'll see. Um, but really, I mean, you got to have consistency on offense. You got to be able to run the football and you got to be able to move the chains and especially on big downs like third down. So that's what the data in 2009, 19 really showed me when looking at this, and I certainly expect that here in 2020. So something to keep an eye on, how well does the team convert on third down, and do the teams keep the chains moving? And if they do, uh, and if you're a team of, if you're a fan of the team in the Mountain West, and they're good in both of these uh, stat lines, probably going to be pretty effective, and you can uh, and expect a double-digit uh, double win total from your team here in the Mountain West mm -hmm. in 2020. Yeah, that's it's usually the big play team was really Hawaii or Boise in the past. And, you know, Hawaii, obviously their offense was pretty big play and pretty potent last year, but Boise's offense wasn't as big play and as potent as it is. So it doesn't surprise me that, that it, it's a, it's been a very, a lot of these teams that have been successful were grinded out teams last year and, 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 you know, did well with ball control and converting on third downs and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, Air Force is, the whole mentality three yards in a cloud of dust so three 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 third down you're only usually a yard or two away like that that in my opinion out of all three of those teams that makes the most sense the air force had the most or the second most first downs in the country because they were always a yard away mm -hmm. probably from getting a first down on third yeah. down well i'm sorry they were second in the country in third down okay Right, so so they're able to convert third downs extremely effectively, mm -hmm. um, which makes a lot of sense, right? Probably a lot of third and shorts, right? They weren't right. dealing with a lot of third and longs, but I think I, I, the one that stood out to me here was Hawaii, right? Generally, run and shoot, you're getting a lot of big plays, but yeah. it tells me that they were extremely effective on third down, right? They get to uh, probably, I would guess, third and long and be able to convert those third and longs, and I'd yeah. probably need a little bit more time with the data to look at that. And Boise's not a shocker here, guys. Boise... They're, they're the, the crown jewel of the conference. They have the best players, in my opinion, right? They're going to have the best offensive players uh, overall. So being able to win 
win the battle on third down and be able to constantly grind out and get first downs on a consistent basis. There, there, there's, I mean, there's, it makes total sense for Boise. So, but the Hawaii was the one that stood out to me. That was interesting how good they were on third down um, just for the type of offense that they run. So something to keep in mind uh, for you Mountain West fans as you watch the uh, 2020 season unfold. Now, going into our last segment for the episode, again, anybody who listens to all of our episodes knows we always end with a prospect to watch. And again, this is a prospect that you may not be that familiar with, uh, probably unheralded, probably a guy you don't see on mock drafts that, you know, Todd McShay or Walter Football or whatever guy with a hot take that has half a brain and that can put together a website puts down. Um, you know, but a guy that we want you to pay attention to and a guy that has a lot of talent. So Pastel got Khalil Shakir out of Boise State. What can you tell me about him? He's that guy that you need to be paying attention to. And forget the stat line. Yeah, he's got 63 receptions, 872 yards, and six TDs. But let's be honest, guys. Like, that quarter of that play, even though Brock Meyer, like, sold a lot, showed a lot of promise, like, it wasn't there last year. It just wasn't. So, if you gave him, you know, a top-line quarterback, his stats probably would have been absurd. But I'll tell you this. Pro Football Focus had him as the fourth-best slot receiver in all of college football last year. You know mm-hmm. who he was behind? Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, and Tutu Atwell. And then mm-hmm. it's Khalil Shakir. Like, this guy is the real deal. I don't care who you are. He's going to be a day two pick at least. And he's probably going to leave after his junior year, which he's going to be a true junior next year. Mm-hmm. He's six foot, about a buck 85. Uh, he probably has sub 4-4 speed. The guy is electric. I saw him play against, like I said, I watched the entire Wyoming game last year because I know Wyoming last year had a better defense. I wanted to see how he kind of performed with them. He's the only reason why Boise State won that football game. It seemed like every time there's a play needed it was Khalil Shakir uh, so he's just a big time athlete he's got all the measurables he's kind of like what we were talking about the receivers in today's NFL we just keep seeing him kind of pump him through the NFL draft as a six foot foot a six foot 190 pound receiver that's extremely um, fast and can really do the whole entire route tree and that's what he can do so mm-hmm. watch him be that big time player for not only Boise State not only for the Mountain West but really for college football next year yeah, I think this is a really guy, uh, really great guy you pointed out, Pastel. Not a lot of people know about him, but extremely dynamic. Had a touchdown against Florida State last year and really scored from all aspects of the field. So a lot of fun to watch him and can't wait to see what he does here and to really climb up the draft boards and expect nothing but but an all-conference season, for first-team all-conference, and ultimately kind of catch the eyes of NFL scouts. So. Uh, again, like I said earlier, in kind of a more aggressive way, guys, I would say, but you can always follow and interact with the show on show, social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's at Prospects101Pod. And I'll say it again, if you don't do it, I want you to pause the po- podcast right now. I want you to bring up all three apps, and I want you to press the follow button or the like button, whichever platform you're on. Again, great way to stay engaged with the show. Uh, we're always posting all of our content throughout the week. I mean, at this point, fellas, we are at, we're releasing three to four shows a week. So you love good college football content. You love great prospect talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. You love anything having to do with college football, really. High school recruiting, it's all on there. So Talking again, make to college sure you- football head coaches. Yeah, that's good. That's right. We can now put that to the resume. Yeah, we talked to college head coaches. Um, again, obviously, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, stay as up to date with all of our episodes. Again, a lot of great content, a lot of great interviews up and coming. As we are just on the Mountain West, a lot of other big conferences mm-hmm. out there, Pac-12, 
SEC, Big Ten, Big 12. Uh, all that content is on its way. So, uh, and lastly, make sure you give us a five-star review on any of your podcast platforms. That really helps us out a tremendous amount. We appreciate you spending the, uh, spreading the word. And for Gless, for Kenny, for Pastel, we will see you next time with more great Mountain West and college football content.